How many of you would say you have more hope than you did when you first came in this morning? Come on, I love it. I love how God is, is moving in our church and uh, I'm excited. We'll get to a message series in another couple of weeks. Until then, um, it's been kind of fun for me personally. I've had uh, the freedom. I feel like I've been preaching my, my top 10 or hits list or something like that of my favorite Bible passages. And uh, this week is no exception. Probably one of my top three this week that I'm going to preach to you that when I read it, actually my uh, youngest son, Jonathan, was named kind of inspired by this passage of scripture that we're going to read this morning because I just love the faith of this man, Jonathan. And I believe this morning that God is already and he wants to stir up faith in his people. I believe that we're, we're coming into a season and a, um, really a time in the world where our faith is going to need to be strong. Our faith is going to be tested. And oftentimes when our faith is tested, we have two options. We can either uh, sit back and allow uh, ourselves to go through the testing, or we can in faith step out into what God is wanting to do and be strengthened in the process. Because with every test that we go through, when we step out in faith in the middle of the test and allow God to do what he wants to do, we come away with a testimony. Anybody have any testimonies this morning of what God has done in their life? Am I just the only one? Come on, I hope faith is stirred up more than that this morning. Um, I want to read to you a, a passage out of 1 Samuel chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn there with me. I love, um, I'm going to read to you out of the New King James this morning. And... But one of the things, you know, when you read the Bible, oftentimes they'll, they'll kind of caption it over the passage of Scripture, and they'll give you like a brief summary of what you're about to read. And uh, in the New King James, it says, Jonathan defeats the Philistines. And that's, that's the story we're going to read. I like, the, I like what the NLT says at the top of this passage. The NLT says, Jonathan's daring plan. I, I like that. I, I think too many times... Uh, in our modern day Christianity that instead of getting God's daring plan we see our Christian life as an insurance plan and, and we have insurance of salvation but we don't live in the day in day out daring plans that God has for us and because we don't engage in those plans that God has for us in faith our faith becomes stagnant and it doesn't grow. And we're not seeing the miracles. We're not seeing the breakthrough. We're not seeing the healings. We're not seeing marriages healed like we want to, like God has planned for us. And so it's going to take daring faith for us to fully receive all the promises that God has for us. And so I pray that as we read this passage of scripture today, that your faith not only gets stirred and inspired, but I, I pray that it, it grows because I believe that every time we come together, God wants to move. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me read to you. I love, every time I read this, this first uh, scripture, verse 1, strikes me. Now it happened one day. That's the power of every time that you give God something to work with. That's the power of when one day you go to church. <laughs> That's the power of when one day you come up for prayer. That's the power of one day when you come up in the middle of worship out of obedience to God, you give God something to work with. I love that every time that we gather in the body of Christ, there's the potential for a miracle to happen. 
There's potential for the impossible to break through into our reality. There, there is potential for us that come in these doors hopeless, struggling, fearful, full of anxiety, not sleeping, and one day, in a moment, God can touch you and do a miracle in your life. Somebody say amen. Y'all ain't responding as well as I'm preaching so far. It says this, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. You turn to your neighbor and tell him, There's something on the other side of your faith. But he did not tell his father. How many times my kids do something and they don't tell their father? And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. Now, what you don't know, unless you read chapter 13, is that Saul started with 3,000 men. But they started to go away from him. And now his army has dwindled down to 600 men, and he's facing 6,000 or more men. And Ahijai, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother. Man, why they got to get all Hebrew word on a pastor like that, preacher like that? Mess me up. I hate all this, those Old Testament words. And the brother, the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's great priest, priest in Shiloh, was wearing the ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes, how many know that sometimes God does his best work between the passes, between transition, between the, where you are and where God wants you to be sometimes is where God does his best work. And between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina. And the front one faced the northward opposite Michmash, and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. If you ever want to pick a fight, that's a great thing to say. Come on, you uncircumcised. Another translation called them these uncircumcised fellows. <laughs> Shall we go up to these uncircumcised fellows? If you ever want to start a fight, that's a good thing to say. You uncircumcised fellow, come on, I got you. <laughs> it may be that the Lord will work for us. I love that. Another uh, translation says, perhaps the Lord will be with us. I mean, come on, what kind of pl daring plan really is this? Like, maybe God will show up. I don't know. But hey, let's go. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. I love the faith and the trust in God. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say this, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. Now, I don't know, I don't know if that would really be a sign to me. Yeah, come on up. 
we got you. But somehow Jonathan is like, hey, puts out this little fleece to God that if they respond this way, then we know God is in this and we're going to go, we're going to go after it. And so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines says, look, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they have hidden. Then the man of garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll show you something. <laughs> and Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. And the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men with about, within about a half an acre of land. That's some just like 300 stuff right there. That's like Braveheart. Come on. All the guys like right now your adrenaline's going. This is good stuff. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, among all the people. And the garrison and the raiders also trembled. And the earth quaked so that it was very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away, and they were here and there. Some translations put it a little better. It says they were thrown into confusion. God sent, now God's getting involved. Jonathan steps out in faith. God gets involved. He sends an earthquake. It sends the enemies into confusion. Now they're turning on each other and killing each other. And so he goes on to say this. Then Saul said to the said to the people who were with him, now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Agi, bring the ark of God here. For that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened, verse 19, while Saul talked to the priest, that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase, so that Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. We don't have time for that. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the, Philistine, the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines had fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. And here's my favorite verse. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted. Anybody here this morning facing some impossible odds? Anybody feel overwhelmed with what life has thrown you? Anybody struggling to overcome some enemies that have been in your life? Enemies of sin, enemy, bad habits in your life, enemies that are messing with your marriage, messing with your finances, messing with the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. I've got good news for you this morning. And it starts with a question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? If God is with you, who can be against you? <laughs> See, what strikes me about this passage is the fact that Jonathan doesn't seemingly have a word from God. 
Now, last week I talked to you about the importance of the Word of God and what the, the potential of the Word of God can have in, in its power to change your life in a moment. This week, I want to talk to you about the promises of God and the Word of God that we already know that we are not taking uh, a step of faith into and believing and trusting God with. How many of you know that I believe that, that sometimes we are just one step away from a victory? We are just one step away from overcoming. We are just one step away from seeing breakthrough. I believe that, that today can be the day for some of you that you didn't know it, but God had a plan and purpose for you when you came to church this morning. Today's the day. Today's the day that if you will make a decision that I'm gonna step out in faith and trust God and start moving in a direction towards him, that God can do something seemingly impossible in your life. How many of you believe that this morning? Well, come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your word that challenges us, that convicts us, but mostly that changes us. God, I pray today that your word would stir up faith. Your word says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by your word. There's power in your word. And so I believe today, and I'm praying today, God, that you want to stir up faith in us. I pray, God, that this word would stir up faith in your people, that it would bring about faith, that it would grow faith. I pray that we would get a daring plan from you, God, that your purposes would not be stopped by the work of the enemy in our lives. God, I pray that you would give, a, give us a spirit like Jonathan to say, perhaps the Lord will work for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you do me a favor, pray for our nation for a minute with me? God, we thank you for the United States of America. God, I pray for this nation. I pray, I pray that you would break the strongholds over this nation. God, we ask that you forgive us from turning our hearts away from you and putting other gods before you. I pray that you hear from heaven, that you forgive us of our sins and that you heal our land. God, we pray that you'd send revival to this land once again. God, would you pour out your spirit like you did in the past? Would you do it again? God, I pray that you would uh, shift things in Washington, D.C. I pray and believe that there's a shift coming. I pray for a, a Holy Spirit-inspired shift in this nation, our hearts back to one nation under God, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. What are you waiting for? Man, the contrast between, the difference between Saul and Jonathan just like floors me. Here you have the, the, the leader of Israel, the, the main guy. Here's, here's the guy. Here's the king of Israel. And here's his son. And his son is the one who steps out boldly in faith and takes the fight to the enemy. While uh, Saul and the whole Israelites, they're waiting for the enemy to take the fight to them. Saul is sitting there eating pomegranates under a pomegranate tree, waiting for God to defeat his enemies while he's sitting under a pomegranate tree. He's waiting for God to do something and God is waiting for him to do something. That's the big, that's one of the, that's the first point I have for you this morning. That sometimes we're waiting for God, but oftentimes God is waiting for us. I'm going to say that again. Some of you need to hear it. Sometimes we're waiting on God, but oftentimes God is waiting on us. Sometimes we're waiting on a word from God. 
Sometimes we need to step out in faith and act on the word we already know. If we're going to be honest with each other, most of us are educated well beyond our level of obedience. And I wonder how many of us are just waiting for a breakthrough if we would, in bold faith, step out on the word that God has already given us. it, It amazes me. You know, Saul is sitting there and and he's a spectator. And Saul has gotten used to watching and letting other people fight his battles for him. He watched David do it when Goliath reared his ugly head and defied the armies of Israel. Saul didn't step out in faith. He was held back by fear. And I wonder how many of us, I believe this is, we need a reformation in the church. I believe that the church has become too much of a spect- spiritual spectators. We have too many spiritual spectators and not enough people who are willing to step out in faith and obey and trust the word of God, that the word of God is real, is trustworthy, and God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? But too many of us, we're waiting on God to do something, to defeat our enemies, to change our marriage, to change our finances, to change our church, when God has called us to step out in faith and to trust God for the change. God is always looking for something. I love that scripture that says, God is always looking to and fro the earth to see whose heart is turned towards him. I believe that right now God is looking to and fro the earth to look for those who will believe and stand on the word of God and have enough holy guts to step out in faith and trust the word of God and to start moving towards the breakthrough that God has. Thank you, three of you, awesome. The problem is that um, oftentimes we allow fear to overcome our faith. I believe for most of us, it isn't that we don't have faith. It isn't that we don't believe God. We don't believe his word, that we don't trust him. It's that we allow our fear and the emotion of fear to overwhelm us, to prevent us from actually stepping out and believing the word that God has given us. Um, It was interesting. I was listening to this um, study, a research study that was done by two psychologists at the University of Michigan. And they were studying the effects of losses, of, of failure, of, of mistakes, and how it affects the way we think, and consequently how it affects we behave. And so what they did is they had a, a bunch of people come in to do some research, and they had this little uh, research study they did. They put these little caps on each one of them. that had a little electrodes in it so that they, they can monitor the electrical activity of, of the brain. And they had them, uh, they gave them uh, this little machine where they could make bets. They can bet five cents or they could bet 25 cents. And when they bet, if they got it right, the green light would come on and it would add to their, their pot, if you will, their total, um, or it would subtract from it. And the red light would come on, meaning they lost. And so they did this experiment with uh, around a thousand people and their findings was really interesting and what they found was that when uh, somebody won or the green light would come on and would add to their bet they would see the electrical activity in the uh, medial frontal cortex spike up like a high like a shot of adrenaline It it would go up but what they did notice is that when they lost that spike 
would go low. And over time, if there was a string of consecutive losses, each time that spike would go lower and lower. And then when they won, the spike would never go back up quite as high. And so what they concluded from the research is this is why so many of us have an adversity to risk because we've experienced loss, we've experienced failure. A lot of us have believed in the word of God before. We've stepped out in faith. We believed for our marriage. We believed for that healing. We believed that God was going to provide and, and we didn't see it happen. And so over time, as losses come, and some of us have been hit up, I, I felt like as I was praying um, for our service, that there was going to be some of you in the room, maybe some of you even watching online, that you've had a string of losses. You've had a, a, a string of things not going the way that you wanted to. And what happens is over time, we stop believing that God can do something. We stop believing for that breakthrough and we start holding back. And we can be in danger of becoming like Saul, where we don't make a decision to move forward and our indecision becomes a decision. And we get stuck in the place that we are, never realizing the full potential that God has for our lives and the plan and stepping into the fullness of the plan and purpose that God has. And, and, and we get to this place where we start acting like, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just holding on. Listen, I think we have to redefine how we see faithfulness in our Christian life. Faithfulness is not holding down the fort. Faithfulness is storming the gates of hell. Je Come on now, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus himself would say, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And what he was referring to was when John the Baptist was beheaded, he was making it known that since the time of John the Baptist, since Jesus' ministry came, since the gospel, the good news was being preached, that there, all of hell and enemies were being unleashed to prevent what God was trying to do. And he's saying, listen, we're not going to advance the kingdom by holding down the fort. That's why, like, like, good on you for being here today, but the Christian life isn't marked by us sitting in a service for 90 minutes Worshiping and hearing the word of God. Our Christian lives are marked by us stepping out in faith in every area of our life outside the four walls of this church. God never told us to hold down the fort. He told us to storm the gates of hell. And there's sometimes, there's only some breakthrough that happens when we step out in faith, believing the word of God in our life. This is why some of us have not realized breakthrough in our life. That's some, why we, some of us have stayed stuck in our faith is because we're not stepping out in the word that God already gave us. Now, let me tell you that even though Jonathan didn't have a direct word of God in this moment, he had a word from God. Because God already told the Israelites to defeat and to completely annihilate, to push out of their land, their enemies. Why? Because he understood something that you and I have to understand. The longer that you allow the enemies of sin, bad habits in your life, things that are uh, getting in the way of God moving in your life, the more they take a part of your heart and pull it away from God. So he knew that if, if they left their enemies in the land, they would intermarry and their gods would become their gods. And I think we see this happening in our culture today. 
I think this is the problem. For a lot of us, we are too connected to the world, and we've allowed things in culture into our heart that is competing with God, and God says, man, I, there can't be anything between you and me. Like, where your heart is is what you treasure. And if you allow things into your heart that compete with me, he says, you're either going to love money and you're going to love things in the world or you're going to love me. But you got to choose. you got to make a decision. And indecision is still a decision. You're deciding not to step out in faith. And so I believe there's some things that we can learn from this story and from Jonathan. And one of them is this. Um, Jonathan did not let his fear overcome his faith. He let his faith overcome his fear. Fear is just an emotion. We have a very real enemy that is really good at making things in our life seem way bigger than they really are. He wants to keep in front of you and me the things that we go through in life, the things that are standing in the way. These are our enemies. That, you know, and, and the devil is really good at making them seem so much bigger so that you are overwhelmed with the emotion of fear and anxiety that it keeps you paralyzed. The Israelite army was paralyzed. They were paralyzed by fear and they were hiding instead of going out. Instead of Saul as the leader stepping out in faith and going to the front lines of the battle, he was sitting on the sidelines. And I'm telling you, it's high time. Some of us have been sitting on the sidelines of faith and now it's time that God is calling you not to stay on the sidelines, but to get on the front line. And to begin the battle, begin going, allowing your faith to overcome your fear. 1 John 5, 4 says this, For whatsoever is begotten of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's what? Even our faith. It's your faith that overcomes the things in this world. It's your faith. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We cannot allow our emotions. Man, we are such emotional people. Like God made us with emotions. They're not a bad thing. In fact, fear in a healthy way is good. Like if you're in Glacier Park and you see a bear, like it's a good thing to be afraid, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a good thing to run. It's a good thing to grab that bear spray or that 44 mag. That's how I roll. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, when I moved to Montana, I went, I'm like, give me the biggest gun you have <laughs> that I can actually hold. And I barely hold it, but it's Dirty Harry, man. I'm like, you Barry, you're going to charge me? You're going down. And for a lot of us, like, but for a lot of us, we struggle with the emotion of fear and anxiety. And we get overwhelmed with life and we allow the enemy to overwhelm us. That's exactly what was happening here. The Philistines were overwhelming and keeping the Israelites from engaging in the battle by sheer numbers. Did you ever look at your bank account and be like, man, I have no idea how I'm going to make rent. Look at your, look at your, your marriage. And you don't, how are we going to get past this infidelity? How are we going to get past this porn addiction? Like, there's things in our lives that the enemy wants us to feel so overwhelmed by that we don't do anything about it, we just stay stuck. And Jonathan didn't allow the emotions. I don't believe for a minute that Jonathan wasn't afraid. But he, was, he had this attitude. He's like, hey, 
If God is for me, who can be against me? He can save by a few or he can save by many. So either God is going to be with me and he's going to take this out or I'm going to die. <laughs> and he was willing to take that chance. But can I tell you something? That there is some breakthroughs. Now, the Philistines, they are arch enemy of Israel. They're the, the enemy. And I, I believe this spiritually represents areas in our life that keep coming up. Keep coming against this. How many of you have things in your life that keep coming up? You feel like, man, here we go again. That old sin keeps coming back up. That old bad habit keeps coming up, keeps messing with you. That's exactly what the Philistines were to Israel, God's chosen people. They kept coming at them, kept coming at them. They would raid them. They would steal from them. They would mess with them. They didn't let them fully occupy the promised land that God had for them. And I believe that represents for a lot of us that there is promises that God has for your life and my life. There's a plan and purpose that God has, but there's real enemies that don't want you to step out in faith and believe that God can do what he said he's going to do and you could be who God says you are already and not yet you're becoming. So what they did is they blocked them Mikmash was a, a pass. In order to get to the other side, that's why Jonathan said, let's go to the other side. Do you know this morning there's something on the other side of your faith? There's promises on the other side. There's things that God wants to do on the other side. But there's enemies between where you are and where God is trying to get you to. And that place, that pass was called Mikmash. Do you know what mikmash means? It means hidden place. Actually, in one of the Bible dictionaries that I looked at, it said it was hidden treasure. And I was like, wow, that stuck out to me. Do you know that there is hidden treasure on the other side of your faith? There, there are some things that only can be revealed to you and only you can overcome when you're willing to step out in faith and trust God and believe God and do what he tells you to do, that when you do it, there's something on the other side of that. There's victory on the other side of that. This is how we build our history with God. The more victories that you have, do you think Jonathan just had the faith to do this in the moment? No, it was a daily thing, every day. He had, more, he had faith in God. He, he had little victories that led him to big victories. And for some of us, this is why we have to take our private life with God and our relationship with God seriously because private victories result in public victories. And Jonathan was a man of faith. How do I know this? Because when you read the Bible, there was actually a time where David was hiding. He was on the run. He was afraid for his life. And Jonathan went to him and it says that Jonathan strengthened David in the Lord. He had not just enough faith for himself, but he had enough faith for somebody else. Now, um, one of my favorite presidents is Teddy Roosevelt. And I don't know if you know a lot about Teddy Roosevelt, but I've, I've read some autobiographies about Teddy Roosevelt and his life. And uh, man, Teddy Roosevelt was like, he was a man's man. I think he was like a Montana man. I don't think he was born in Montana, but he was a man's man. In fact, there's one story about him where there was an assassination attempt on his life and he got shot in the side with 32 caliber and, and they were like, hey, we need to get you to the hospital. He was supposed to go and, and give a speech. And he said, no, 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 I'm still gonna give a speech. 
and he came to the podium bleeding out and he said, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you long today and then proceeded to give a 52-minute speech while being shot, while bleeding. This is Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, he's just like, he, he was known for going on safaris and, you know, killing wild beasts and just uh, amazing guy. And yet, if you didn't know his backstory, you wouldn't know this small detail that when he was younger, he, uh, when he was a teenager, he weighed about 100 pounds dripping wet. And he fought severe asthma. And yet, he made a decision from a young age that he was not going to let his weakness, his disability, stop him from becoming the man that he was made to be. And he started working out and lifting weights, doing push-ups, all that stuff, and he became a strong man. And, and oftentimes, we look at people that have victories, but we don't see behind the scenes what what went into in the faith that went into daily. See, we underestimate the power of today. The, the enemy wants to keep you locked in dead yesterdays and afraid of tomorrows so that you miss out on the present power of today. There's something about today. Now, now, now moment. There's something about when you... Uh, step out in faith in God that God can do something today. I believe some of you didn't realize it, but when you woke up this morning, God had a plan for you today. Great is thy faithfulness today. Every morning, God's faithfulness, there's something new. Your mercies are new every morning. There's something new that God has for you and for me. It's called the power of today, but too many of us miss out on it because we just take, oh man, the enemy wants you to take today for granted. He wants you to take this moment for granted so that you miss your moment. You know that one of the saddest commentaries and scriptures in the whole Bible is one verse in Jeremiah, and it's talking about Pharaoh, King Pharaoh, and it says, King Pharaoh was nothing but a loud noise. He was a man who missed his moment. That's a sad commentary. I wonder how many of us have missed our moments where God was trying to do something. Maybe it's at the end of service, God's stirring something in your heart, but we allow pride to get in the way of stepping out in faith. Maybe God gives you a word for somebody of encouragement, but we don't give it to him because we don't step out in faith. Maybe God is calling you to break away from some friendships or bad relationships, but we don't do it because we're afraid of what other people are gonna think. You fill in the blank. But I love this quote from Teddy Roosevelt. He said this. He said, do what you can with what you have where you are. And I think that's the problem. Too many of us are so overwhelmed with the impossibilities that are in front of us that we never start where we are with what we have. Jonathan started where he was with what he had. Do you know that you, you wouldn't know this unless you read chapter 13? But one of the tactics that the Philistine used to try to disarm the Israelite army and weaken them was they took out all their blacksmiths. They took them out. Blacksmiths were the one who, who forged weapons, who created weapons for war. And so what they did to disarm the Israelite army is they took out the blacksmiths so that they didn't have anything to fight with. Now, if you remember, in Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul is talking about putting on the full armor of God, one of the things, the, the only offensive weapon that Paul talks about 
is the spirit of the word of the sword the sword of the spirit which represents the word of god the enemy will try to rob you and prevent the word of God from becoming real to you and for you to activate it in your life. He will disarm you so that you don't have anything to fight with. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? Every time the enemy came at him and attacked him, how did he respond? He pulled out the sword of the spirit, which was the word of God. He said, it is written. Nope, you're wrong. It is written. And this is the problem for a lot of us. We're listening to the wrong voices and we're allowing the enemy to overwhelm us and make us feel like we've got no weapons. I don't have, I don't have what it takes. I know that God has called me to do this, but I don't have what it takes. See, he's really good at highlighting and making us focus on our weaknesses so that we take our eyes off the fact that God could use a sling and a stone to take down a giant. In fact, when, when, when David went to fight Goliath, he said, you come at me with a spear, a javelin, and a sword, but I, can't, I come at you in the name of the Most High guy and the armies of God. In his name, I come at you, his strength, his power. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And Jonathan understood. So you know what they had to fight with? Farm tools. Seriously. They sharpen their farm tools. So how about going to battle with a bamboo rake? <laughs> but this is what they had. And it took one man and his armor bearer, one man who actually had a sword. He had the word of God already because he knew God had told him to defeat the Philistines. And so he knew, he said, if God is for us, who can be against this? Some of you just need to be reminded that God is working for you. While you're sitting here, God is working for your marriage. While you're sitting here, God is working on your finances. While you're sitting here, God is working in your relationships, in your job. Come on, God is working for you. He's not against you. And Jonathan knew it. But the rest of them, it took a man to step out in faith for them to start believing. And then they took what they had. They literally went to battle with farm tools. But you see, Jonathan, he started, do you know, do you know it was a three-mile walk just to get to the cliff that he had to climb? He walked three miles, and then the Bible says that he climbed on his hands and knees. To you ever try to go rock climbing? Try walking three miles, climbing a cliff on your hands and knees, and then getting to the top and defeating 20 Philistines with you and your armor bearer that's 14 and could barely hold up a shield. And then the rest of your army are like, come on, bring on the bamboo rakes. Let's go, we've got this. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that it says that he climbed up on his hands and on his knees. I think that's a spiritual picture of how every day, if we'll take a step of faith, by getting on our knees and praying like it depends on God and working with our hands like it depends on us, that God can move in power. All he needs is something to work with. And instead of sitting under a pomegranate tree waiting for God to defeat our enemies, if we'll co-mission with God and allow him, do you know what? I believe it wasn't until Jonathan got to the top of that um, mountain that he climbed up to where God met him there. Because it says, then an earthquake happened. 
I believe sometimes we don't feel God's presence with us. We don't even know. Man, maybe God, perhaps, perhaps God will give me the victory. I don't know, but I trust him enough. That's faith. There was this um, theology student at seminary, and he had to give a talk on faith. And instead of giving a talk on faith, what he did is he did a demonstration. He, um, he demonstrated the law of the pendulum. And so he got up in front of the class, and he had a, 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 a string that had a three-pound weight on it. And he described the law of the pendulum states that because of uh, gravity and friction, when you let it go, the law of the pendulum says it will never return back to the place that it first started at. It will slowly go shorter and shorter until it completely stops. And so he said, how many of you believe that? And his professor, his theology professor was sitting there, students were sitting, and everybody raised their hand. And he said, now, professor, would you mind helping me with this demonstration? And he says, sure. So the professor gets up, and he changes the weight from a three-pound weight to a 10-pound weight. And he says, um, I'm going to let this go, and I'm going to mark on the chalkboard where it went. And then he said, I want you to come and stand at that, after the first swing, I want you to come stand where that chalk mark was. Because if you believe in the law of pendulum, you believe that it won't go back to that place, right? He said, yep. So the professor stood, he let it go once, and then the professor got up to the black, blackboard, and as the pendulum was going, it never hit the professor because the professor bailed. And I think that's what a lot of us do. We say we believe the word of God, we believe the promises of God, but when push comes to shove, we bail. We don't step out. We don't trust God that he's going to protect us. We don't trust God that he's going to provide for us. We don't trust God that he's going to heal us. St. Augustine said, pray as if it depended on God and work as if it depended on you. This is how faith gets stacked. This is how you build faith. The Bible says that each of us have been given a measure of faith, but then God uh, is counting on you to grow your faith. And how you grow your faith is step by step. Jonathan made it step by step. Step by faith, his faith was strengthened. Step by faith. And then he got the victory. And when you get the victory, now you have faith to draw on because what God did back then, that's the power of the testimony. What God did back then, he can do it again. I trust God and I've got faith to stand on because I can look back at my life and see the times when I, I thought I was going to die, when I was going to drown, when, when I, was, uh, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills and God showed up. And faith stacks on faith. And every time that you step, this the power of everyday little decisions. That if I'll just step out in faith, God will meet me where I step. See, faith steps out with what you have where you are. Don't look at what you don't have. When Peter and John were going to the temple for prayer and there was a beggar and he said, please, Peter looked at him and he said, you know what? Silver and gold I don't have, but here's what I have. Rise up and be healed in the name of Jesus. I've got the spirit of the living God in me. I may not have much. Some of you are looking at what you have and you say, I don't have much. Let me tell you something. Not much in the hand of God is a lot. 
We don't, we, un, we tend, we underestimate the power of today and overestimate dead yesterdays and tomorrow. And I'm telling you, if we'll just have the faith, I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, faith is not logical and faith is not illogical. Faith is theological. It just adds God to the equation. There's some things that if you will just add God to the equation and we've left him out of the equation, faith that Jonathan said, hey, maybe God will work for me and he could do a miracle. Some of you need to just look at the things that seem overwhelming in your life. There's some things that there's areas where keeps enemies keep coming back. Something keeps coming up and it's plaguing you. It's tripping you up in your faith walk. And if you will make a decision today, that's a, you got to get a little Popeye in you. Uh, that's all I could stand, and I can't stand no more. Come on, you got to get to a place where you said, I've had enough. They've been waiting around for days, and finally Jonathan said, I've had enough. I've had all I could stand, and I can't stand no more. Sometimes you will not see the breakthrough in your life until you get to a place where you can't stand it anymore. I'm sick of the sin in my life. I'm so sick of what it's doing to, to me and my marriage and my relationships and my relationship to God. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. Today, I'm making a decision. I'm stepping out in faith and I'm believing that on the other side of this mountain, there's breakthrough. I'm going to overcome because I have faith that can move mountains and I believe in the God of the impossible. I may not be able to do it, but I know my God can do it. The last thing, and then I'm going to wrap this up, is that sometimes we just need to be with people of faith. One of the things I love about this story is that I honestly believe that Jonathan would not have made it if it wasn't for his armor bearer. Armor bearers, what they did is they held the shield for you these shields were four feet long, two and a half feet wide. They were made of wood, solid wood, overlaid with leather. And this is why when Paul says, take up the shield of faith, so that it's the only time he's specific about uh, a defensive weapon that you use. And he says, take up the shield of faith so that you can withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, we don't understand this today in our day and age and Warfare, But back then, what enemies would do is they would dip the end of their arrows in poison. And so if they shot an arrow at you, you might even have your shield up, but you're vulnerable on both sides. And all it would take is one of those arrows to nip you, and you would get poisoned and you would die. And I love the fact that um, Jonathan's armor bearer, come on, this is a beautiful picture of the church. This is why we need people of faith in our life. We don't need people that are naysayers. You don't need to like, you know, cry your blues out to the guy at the bar bellied up with a beer and saying, yeah, man, life sucks, and then you die. We don't need to be around people like that. We need to, I want to be around people with contagious faith. I want to be, be around people like Jonathan that had faith. I want, when I'm down, I need people with high faith when I'm low. And I want to be around and surround myself with people that say, come on, we can do this. Do you know that they, in the NIV, what the armor bearer says to him, I love this. He says, I am with you heart and soul. Do whatever is in your heart. There's something beautiful about people that say, whatever God's put in your heart, I'm with you. 
I'm with you, pastor. I'm with this church. I'm with you. I'm with what God is doing in this church and the vision and the mission that God has given this church. I want to go with you. I'll be there to support you. I'll pray for you. I'll intercede. I'll believe for you. Believing doesn't just mean we'll pray for you. It means I'm there for you. Here's the beauty of the shield of faith. The shield of faith is not just meant for you. When you link up, see, actually, in Roman times, and this is where Paul would get, get the idea for this, uh, talking about the shield of faith, is those shields weren't designed to be used alone. The shields were designed to be interlocked with other warriors so that when the fiery darts came at them, what they would do is they would gather and huddle together and they would link shields together and they would make a circle so that there were no weaknesses, so that there were no vulnerabilities. Some of us have been vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy because we've removed ourselves from the church. I know the church isn't perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'm telling you, there's a plan and purpose that God has for the church and we need each other more than we think and more than we know. This is why we're, in, in a couple of weeks, starting, I think, next week, we're going to be hitting you guys up. You need to be in a group. You need to get in a group. Why? Because you need to link shields with other warriors. Come on, man. You need to get in a razor group. Because when you get in a razor group, you're linking shields with other men and the fiery darts of the enemy that he's trying to use to take out men. Man, he is trying to demasculate how God created manhood. And it's about high time that men of God started stepping out in faith and taking their right place as sons of the Most High God who know their identity in Christ, know what they've called to, and say, I'm stepping out of the shadows. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to lead my marriage. I'm going to be a leader in church. I'm stepping out one step at a time. And I'm going to start today right where I am with what's in my hand. God called Moses to take a huge step of faith, change his life forever. He said, I don't, I can't speak. I can't do what you've called me to do. And I love what God said to him. So what's in your hand? Stop looking at what you don't have. Start looking at what I've already put in your hand. Just start with that. If you got to start with a bamboo rake, do it. But you got to start somewhere. You got to take a step because I believe that God wants to reawaken us to the power of Kairos moments. So here's how breakthrough happens. It happens one step at a time until one day Jonathan took steps of faith he took a step of faith took a step of faith he climbed up on his hands and knees and breakthrough doesn't just happen in the moment it happens in the moments leading up to the moment 
the more you pray, you get on your knees and you trust God and you pray and the more you work and the more you believe in faith and the more, so even though I don't see it, even though I'm not feeling it, I don't know what God is doing right now, but I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep taking steps of faith to believe and to trust the word of God. I'm standing on the word of God. And then happens. In a moment, a 19-year-old broken kid. God touches his life. And he's never the same. One moment, God calls him to Montana. One moment, Abraham hears the cry of a baby. Years believing. One moment, Noah steps out of an ark on dry land. One moment, Joseph gets released from prison. One moment, Moses hears the call of God out of a burning bush. One moment, the Red Sea is parted. One moment, God brings water out of a rock. One moment after 40 years of walking in circles in the desert, Joshua and the Israelites crossed over into the promised land. One moment after marching around Jericho seven times, the walls come down. One moment with the cry of a baby and a star in the sky, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is born, the Messiah is here. One moment he turns water into wine. One moment, the deaf can hear, the eye blind can see. Those who are lame are healed. One moment, when Jairus brought his daughter and it was, she was already dead, Jesus said, daughter, rise up. And she rose up out of her death into back into life. One moment, Jesus said his final words on the cross, it is finished. The penalty for sin had been paid for one moment Jesus rose from the dead <laughs> one day the disciples were in the upper room and Jesus walks through the walls and said look at me I'm going to send you a gift one moment they were praying in an upper room and the sound of a mighty rushing wind came and the ground began to shake things began to change and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and fire of God came into their life and they went out and 3,000 people came to faith in that one day and the church was born one day one day Peter and John were walking to the temple they said silver and gold I don't have but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus rise up and walk and a man who was crippled was healed and could walk one day Peter had a vision and he went to the house of Cornelius. The Bible says that Cornelius and his whole family were saved that day and they were baptized and the Spirit came pouring out of the Gentiles and the church was birthed and the church was moving. One day, one day, that's the power of one day. That's the power of a Kairos moment. It's the power of the moment when you give yourself to a moment of God. God can shift things. God can change things. God can move things. He's still the God of the impossible. He's still the God that does miracles today. He's still the God that does signs and wonders. He's still the God that heals. Cancer can disappear in the name of Jesus. 
A tumor can shrink in a moment. Marriage can be healed in a moment. Addictions can be broken in a moment. People can rise up and walk in a moment. A plan of God can be birthed in your spirit in a moment. God can move. Stand to your feet. Come on. God is moving in this place. Here's what I'd say. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment.